Welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself, season two. I'm John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And once again, this is season two of a podcast greater than yourself, our series called Clear Cut Directions, where each episode, a speaker takes you through the clear cut directions for a specific step or steps right out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy this episode. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on all the podcasts that are coming out. Reach out to us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com. Yeah, or or hit us up on Instagram at podcastgreaterthanyourself or at dr underscore silkworth. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. My name's Aiden. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm going to jump into some of this ninth step stuff. Um, you know, the ninth step is an important step. And, and it's one that a lot of us come to in Alcoholics Anonymous in bulk at. You know, it, it was one that I had I'd spent a lot of years in Alcoholics Anonymous before I finally got sober. So I had sat in innumerable ninth step meetings and heard about the terrors of the ninth step. And the, the, the immense fear and how difficult and, and all of that. So um, my actual experience with the ninth step wasn't that. You know, my actual experience with doing and men's um, was powerful. Um, in fact, our history, the history of Alcoholics Anonymous is based off of the founding of Alcoholics Anonymous is based off of Dr. Bob completing his amends. Our Founders Day isn't the day that Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson met for the first time. Our Founders Day was actually the day that Dr. Bob went out and made his amends. And I think that points to some really important things because it shows that, you know, it's not just coming to Alcoholics Anonymous that is the the, the, the powerful thing. It's the, the psychic change we get as a result of working the steps. And that's what uh, founded our program, was one alcoholic and, uh, alcoholic showing another alcoholic how to have a psychic change as a result of the directions. So I'm going to jump into some of the directions here when it comes to the ninth step. But like, what are we doing? Like, why am I making this amends? What is the purpose of what we're doing? Why am I following these rigorous you know, steps? Why am I doing all this stuff? I think that's important to point out. And it's something I go back to when working with a sponsee. It's like, okay, we're well, now we're at step nine. What have we done to get here? And it goes back to step one. You know, I was thoroughly destroyed from my drinking. My drinking, it got me to a place of sheer desperation. And I didn't know why. I just knew that I drank, and then when I drank, it was real bad, and a lot of people got hurt. So sitting with a sponsor, we went through step one and all of, what, all of it entails. You know, if when I honestly wanted to, I found I couldn't quit entirely, and when drinking, I had little control over the amount I took, I was probably an alcoholic. And I understood that. And then unmanageability. This is really the thing that we are focused on with the rest of the steps, is that I am unmanageable, not just as a result of my drinking in general as an alcoholic. My drinking was but a symptom. My real problem was how I lived. It was all steeped in selfish and self-centered motive. And I, you know, I could jive with that. I sat down with my sponsor and I said, okay, all right, you know, 
that sounds like me. Okay. So if that sounds like you, we have a solution. That's step two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I did the step two. I said, I'll take your word for it. You know, I have no real understanding, belief, or concept of a higher power at the time. In fact, I had spent my previous 28 years actively fighting against that. But I was so destroyed, I said, whatever, fine. If you say so, I'll follow through with the rest of these steps. We did the third step prayer, and then we jumped into four and five. Now, the idea that we are getting to here with the steps is that I'm blocked off from a power greater than myself. I'm completely blocked. And I need to get unblocked. So the process of the 12 steps is to get me unblocked from a power greater than myself. And four and five is the first action steps that we take to get to that understanding. We find the things inside of us that are blocking us from a power greater than ourselves. Those are the character defects. Those are the things that are internal that are blocking me from this power greater than myself. These are the, the manifestation of my self-will. That's what our character defects are, and I identify those in four and five. Now, what do I do with these character defects? The answer is absolutely fucking nothing. I'm surrendering this stuff in six and seven. I found out these things inside of me that are blocking me off from a power greater than myself. Now, I'm not going to try and fix and manage myself. I've been trying to do that, and it's failed utterly. It's led to an unmanageable life, me trying to fix me. We're on a new basis of trying to get into, in touch with a power greater than myself that is going to. So I'm surrendering these things. I'm giving them away. I'm saying, God, you take them because I don't know what to do with them. That's step six and seven. We ask for the willingness and we pray for it to be removed. Now that gets us to step eight. Now we're blocked off from this power greater than ourselves. I have this blockage between me and a psychic change, and it's as a result of internal garbage and external garbage that, need, that I need to be rid of in order to have a psychic change. Four and five is identifying that. Six and seven is asking it for it to be removed, and then I have this external garbage, these harms that I've done other people in my life as a result of self-will, and I need to clear that shit up. As a result of doing steps four through nine, I have a psychic change. I have a spiritual experience. That's the reason that we're doing step nine is that I'm getting unblocked from a power greater than myself. And I can achieve the psychic change and the spiritual experience as a result of the actions of doing so. Our goal in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is not to stop drinking. Our goal is to have a spiritual experience. That's vastly different from a lot of things that I hear in AA, but our goal is to have a spiritual experience. And we're at the precipice. Once we get to step eight and nine, we're almost there. If we follow through with the last bit of the action, we get there. When I went through these steps with my sponsor, I was, I was completely defeated. I had no more fight left in me. I didn't have any more angles to shoot. I had no more ideas on how I could stay sober. I had been trying to for seven years in AA and failing. I'd relapsed every six months um, for that seven years. I had been in institutions. I'd been in hospitals. I'd been in jails. I, had, I, I finally got to the place uh, sitting across from another alcoholic who was taking me through the book, and I just said, whatever you say, I'll do. That was the position I was in when I faced my uh, amends for the first time. Yet I had that, that years of experience of sitting in nine-step talks and nine-step meetings where people talked about the terror of doing it. And I didn't feel that. I was just like, fine, whatever. If you say so, I'll do it. So we made a list. 
we had made a list in step eight of, of all the people that I had harmed. And uh, I was getting ready to go out and make these amends. Um, I think the ninth step is extremely important to have a, a knowing sponsor, somebody that has experience in doing these steps and somebody that can point you in the direction and give you guidance on how these, this amends, these amends are supposed to go. Let's jump into the directions and see what it has to say about it. So it starts out in the ninth step. Now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of persons we've harmed and step uh, we've harmed whom we are willing to make amends made it when we took inventory, we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal steps four and five. Now we go to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past steps eight and nine to sweep away the debris, which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. That's pointing to step one self-will. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we, wouldn't, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. That's pointing us back to step one. We admitted we were going to go to any length for victory over alcohol. That's why we're doing this stuff. You know, uh, We will not stay sober if we don't. It just comes down to that. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature of our on our first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So it's pointing to there the, what we're doing with this. We're not doing this. It doesn't say we're doing this to stay sober. What we are doing is we are fitting ourselves to be of maximum service to God. At the tail end of all of these steps is the 12th step. Being of service to God and to our fellows. Carrying this message to other alcoholics. The purpose of those steps in general is to be of maximum service to God, not sobriety. Sobriety is a byproduct. It is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, we call this leading with the chin. So I'm not going to go to these people that I have harmed in the past and say, hey, guess what? I got Jesus now, okay? So you need to allow me to apologize to you. You know, that's just not what we do. What we're doing here is we are repairing harms that we've done other people. And it's not smart for us to go into these amends with this attitude of indifference toward it. I think what, what four and five really do for us is allow us to see on paper that we've harmed other people, that we have been running the show ourselves and it's led to failure and it's led to us hurting other people. That's what it did for me when I made my, my inventory and did it with a sponsor was that I, I could see in stark relief just how living my life on my own self-will had utterly failed. And as a result of my character defects, I had stepped on the toes of everyone around me and I had played the victim the whole time. I thought that I was uh, previous to working the steps, thought that I was just a, a product of circumstance. That really, that, uh, you know, sure, I had harmed other people, but really they're more to blame. They're more at fault. When I did an inventory, I found that that wasn't the case. 
So I was sitting at my amends going, yes, I understand. I have to go through this process because I've legitimately harmed other people and I need to make that right. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than talks of spiritual discoveries. I don't ask sponsees to go and say, hey, I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous now. And part of Alcoholics Anonymous is I got to go make amends. You know, I don't think that that's pointing to like showing somebody that I've uh, actually understand that I've harmed them. That's just saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an AA and they've told me to be here and that's why I'm here. I don't think that that's uh, showing somebody that I, I totally understand and get that I've harmed you and I want to make that right. So, I mean, I think that that's what that's pointing to. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what we should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the results. So when I was working with my sponsor, it's really five directions that I would take with each amend. Number one was I was to ask permission. I'm not going to go to these people and demand that they hear my amend. I mean, if we're going to go and, and show that we've changed and show that we're trying to be better people, it's not, you know, in that same vein, I'm not going to force somebody to hear my amend. If they say no, then I say, okay, thank you. Thank you for the time. But if they say yes, I was to go into the second portion to go over my specific wrongs. Here's the chance where I say, all right, here's what I believe I've done to you. I've done A, B, C, and D. And I would go over that specifically. And, and what that takes is a little bit of prep on my end to actually think about the harms that I've done another person. I think it's really easy to be generic and an amend and go, you know, I was probably, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have done that in the past. And maybe I, you know, maybe I, you know, fill in the blank. I think it's, it's important to come to the amend prepared, prepared to sit down and have a discussion about the harms I've done other people. Cause pointing back to the idea that we're coming to repair damage done. I'm not coming to, for any other purpose, I'm coming to repair damage, not apologize, repair damage. So I go over those specific wrongs. The third part is, is there anything I've forgotten? I was a drunk. I was a drug addict. I was a blackout drinker. There's a lot of shit that I've forgotten. And it offers them an opportunity to tell me exactly what I've done. I think that it would be one thing if I just said, here's the things I did wrong and finished at that. But then I offer them the opportunity to tell me, well, yeah, yeah. Here's the other areas that you've also harmed me. Do you remember that money you stole? Do you remember that you fill in the blank? I've had that, uh, that happen to me in the past where I've gone and made amends to somebody and said, is there anything I've forgotten? And they said, yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much you've forgotten. What about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like, Oh my God, you're right. And that also offers me the opportunity to have some insight into the damage I've done to see where self-will has actually 
taken me to see where me being the actor running the wanting to run the whole show in my life has led. It's a, it's time for healing for them. And it's time for me to see what I've done. The last portion, what can I do to make this right? This is the most important one. I've gone out and I've made these amends. I've asked them all these separate things. And then I come to this place. What can I do to make it right? And they can tell me, well, I got a lot of this when I made amends. Well, I just want you to stay sober. You know, I just want you to stay sober. And that's fine. If that's all they have, I take that. But sometimes it was different. I made amends to my parents. Um, one of the bigger amends I'd ever made. Because all they had really ever done was love me. You know, that's, that's the only thing they, they had ever really done to me. And what I had done was continue to tell them that I would stay sober and then kick their feet out from underneath them every single time. They'd put me in a nice treatment center and I'd go through the process and I'd get out and I'd be in a halfway house. I'd be attending meetings. I'd be doing the service and I'd be doing all this stuff. And eventually because I didn't work the steps, I would drink again. So I had gone and made amends to my parents and I had gone over the specific harms that I had done and asked if there was anything that I had forgotten. And they'd gotten to the place of what can I do to make this right? And they had some ideas of what I could do to make that right. My mom said, I want a relationship with you. I haven't really talked to you in about three years. You've been out running and gunning, and I haven't even had a relationship with my son. Can you at least call me? So I said, absolutely. And that became me repairing the damage that I had done as I started calling my mom once a week. I had taken money from them innumerable times. I set up a payment plan for how I can make that right with them. Here's the amount of money that I feel like I've taken. Does that seem right to you? Yeah, that seems about right. Okay, well, how about I start paying you $50 a week until this is off, until this is taken care of? They said, absolutely. We'll accept that money. We'll accept our money back. Sure, thanks. The last portion of it was thank them. And that's just simply, thank you for allowing me to do this. I think it was really important because I had gone to make amends in the past unprepared. Before finally getting sober, like I said, I had been in AA for a long time, and I just thought, I saw the ninth step on the wall. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go make amends to somebody. And uh, I had gone to people without a script, without really thinking about it, without actually putting thought and effort into what I was doing, and, and really hadn't repaired any damage, just weirded some people out. You know, so having some some thought beforehand and before going out to make the amends was extremely important. In the ninth step, we run into some difficulty, and this is something that I've faced, and some some situations in which other people have faced as well. Which is on page seventy-eight. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. Reminding ourselves that we decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength, direction, do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. I had a situation where I was, um, when I was actively drinking, I was working at a pizza place, and it was for a guy in AA. And what I would do was uh, it would be three in the morning and people would come in for a slice and I would give them free pizza if they would throw money in the tip jar. And I did this for a long time. Uh, I got sober, made my list and uh, reminded and was 
and remembered that I had done that. Now, this is one that I had legitimate fear behind. I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go make this amends. And my, my sponsor pointed me to the page on 79 one. It says, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. And I was willing. I was desperate and I was willing. So I called the guy and I said, here's what I did. Is there anything I've forgotten? What can I do to make this right? And I told him that I had a financial amend to him and if it was okay, can I go and do that? He said, absolutely. So I'd set up a payment plan for him and I paid him off just last year. It took me four years to do it. But it was one of those circumstances where I had legitimately harmed another person in his business and I had to make that right. So we set up this payment plan. I think a lot of people run into that in their, in their active drinking where they have harmed people and have taken money and have gotten themselves in a position where making it right is terrifying, but we have to do it not to stay sober, to achieve a spiritual experience and to have victory over alcohol. I've sponsored a lot of guys and I've, I've heard it many times where they go, man, this is a lot. I don't know, man. I feel like all I need to do is stay sober. And it points to that on page 82. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, but there will be no home for him if he doesn't. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. I mean, it points to it right there. It's like, it's not enough just to stay sober. We have to make this right. Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction of head. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. Right there, it's pointing to sorry isn't enough. We're repairing damage. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defect may be glaring, but the chances that are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. That's a beautiful passage. That's something that I uh, take with me every morning in, in morning meditation is I, I ask God to show me the way to patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. The whole thing in, in, in doing this is becoming aware of the harms that I've done others and my own self-interest. So as I go through my day today, it's to not harm others. It's to live in the vein of, of God's will, not self-will. The spiritual life is, a, is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not, take, we should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. I like this passage because it, it, it points to the attitude of the, the newly sober alcoholic. And I've said this and I've heard other people say this, which is the, this attitude that like, oh, well, I'm sober now. Why isn't everybody on board with my sobriety? It's like, yeah, you were an asshole for 10 or 20 years previously, and now in 30 days, you think everyone's going to forgive you and, and give you the same grace that you think you deserve. That's not the case, is that we make these amends, 
But then it's about the changing of behavior, allowing God to come into our lives and change that for us. And that's what happened slowly over time for me, is that this was a gradual progression, is that I, I wasn't immediately like this amazing human being that, was, that had this newfound perspective and this newfound life. I had this amazing experience when I did my amends. As I said, I, I had been in AA for seven years, and I had never made it to step eight and nine. I'd written a couple inventories in the past, but I had never made it this far in the steps. I was in treatment at the time, and I had just made my eight-step list, and my grandfather passed away. Um, it was a joyous thing. He, he had been suffering for a real long time, so his passing was, was, was you know, positive for my family. And uh, I had gotten a pass out of this treatment center to go and um, to go back home, and I had had a week there. So I talked to my sponsor beforehand and he goes, well, it sounds like there's an opportunity for you to go make some of these amends. And, uh, I was willing, I said, okay. So we went through my list and started talking about the specific wrongs that I had done each person and put together that script of how I was going to approach each person. I went back to Indianapolis and I, uh, started meeting with all these people and I had gone through and I had a list of about 60 people. And in a week, I did about 40 of them. I, I just went painstakingly into this process of making amends. And the last one was my parents. It was a really heavy one, a really difficult one that I, I, but I was prepped and I was ready to do so. And it went really well. Um, I was driving back from Indianapolis to Louisville, Kentucky, where my treatment center was. And it was like this, this weight just sort of fell off. I had this amazing, immense ex experience from doing this. I'd always walked around with this paranoia, this immense paranoia that I was going to run into somebody that I had screwed over in my past, and it was gone. You know, I always kind of walked around with this shame and this guilt and this sorrow and this, this sadness and depression and what I noticed was after I had made these amends, I started to feel present in my life. I started to feel that stuff just sort of drip off of me where I, 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 I could lift my head up high. I could look the world in the eyes I, and I felt like this stuff was gone. And I didn't know at that time, but what it was pointing to was the ninth step promises happening in present time in my life. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing God is doing for us what we can no longer God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for it. I'd read those in meetings for years. And it just felt like that's not achievable for me. 
I can't get there. I see all these other nice people in AA, you know, having this experience, but that, that can't happen for me. And I'd never done the ninth step. It said we will be amazed before we are halfway through. Before we are halfway through the ninth step, we will start experiencing this stuff. And that's exactly what happened to me. I made a majority of my amends and I started to feel the experience of these promises coming true in my life. And I knew I was on a bit different basis. I, was, I knew I was on a new footing. I knew that the life that I had lived previously to coming to Alcoholics Anonymous was gone. I felt the, the, the flow of God through me. I felt a nearness to my creator. I felt all of this stuff as a result of making amends. And that's an experience I wish I could bestow on every person that I sit in front of that asked me to sponsor them. That's something I wish I could give to them. I wish that they could experience for themselves, but they have to do the work. So when guys come to me and, and go, man, you know, I don't know, this seems tough. I don't know if, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm willing to go to that person. I don't know if I can do that financial amends. You know, they don't want to talk to me. It's like, dude, you're at the precipice. You're there. If you follow through with this action, if you get beyond this point, you have no idea what's in store for you. Your life will change. I guarantee it. And it will change for the better. If only you do this step. And that's the real beauty of this process is that I didn't know that that was a possibility for me in my life. I thought I was always stricken to be this loser, this, this pathetic person that, that steals from people that, that can't make a living that that's destined for homelessness for the rest of his life. That'll never, you know, be able to be seen by his family and friends and go, Oh, he's a decent guy. You know, I always felt like I was, I was always going to be in the position of a desperate, hopeless alcoholic. But after working the ninth step, that was a different story. I had these promises come true. My life has changed. I have not had a desire to drink since, but I'll leave that up to whoever's next talking about step 10 and the 10 step directions. That's all I got. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.